Hey guys, welcome back to Fearless It's Fuck, the podcast. I'm your host, Christina Lauren. We are still on this kick of playing podcast roulette with my podcast here at the studio and inviting some other podcast hosts on that I do not know and probably have nothing in common with that I know of. So we invited another podcast host on today who's actually from another studio here in Las Vegas called Blue Wire. We have Nick Diaz. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Excited to have you here. I was telling Amber not too long ago that I got really nervous inviting people on who I hadn't talked to before, but then I've been having these really interesting conversations because I feel like getting on a podcast is almost like doing, it's like, I don't know, you're meeting someone and interviewing them for the first time and you're finding out stuff that you may have never talked about before. You're finding out interesting facts and like you learn something new every single time and that's something that I've always loved about podcasting. So I'm really excited to hear kind of about your history and how you got into everything. So tell us, since I don't know either, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you wound up in Vegas. I know you just moved here. Yeah, born and raised New Yorker. I'm from Queens originally. I moved out to Vegas in September. Okay. I've been podcasting since 2015. My show Veterans Minimum has been around since 2015. And just been like grinding and building it out through the years. And then I partnered up with Blue Wire. It's a podcast network. And I'm always, I'm self-taught. Like I dropped out of college. And it's a lot easier to tell people that now because I've kind of turned it into something positive <laughs> as opposed to when I was trying to figure things out. It was like, I don't know if I should be leading conversations with that. But now it's like a badge of honor for me. So I learned how to edit video work, audio work, the whole nine. And through the years just being with Blue Wire, they got a partnership with The Win out here and they built a studio out. And the studio has been live since 2012, summer of sorry, 2021 uh, that summer. And from day one, Christina, they were like, yo, we got to get you out here. I was like, yeah. Like, like, fine. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I've been to Vegas so many times, you know, being like a piece of shit with my friends, bachelor parties and whatnot and pool parties and the whole nine. And every time I would come out here, I'm like, yo, there's something here for me. And my friends are like, dude, it's 4 a.m. You're hammered. We don't want to hear about that right now. And I was like, yo, there's something about the city. And my content is predominantly sports betting. And there's like the the capital. It's like the hub. Exactly. Yeah. So. They would just put out the bait and then nothing would happen like for months. And then a whole year went by and I started working with Will Blackman, a former NFL player on this uh, sports betting show for the win. And through that, they got to hear me and see my work. And then they flew us out here a couple of times to shoot content out the studio. And then it just got to a point where uh, my, my boss now, Jeremiah, he just pulls me aside. He's like, dude, we got to get you here. I'm like, man, I've been hearing about this for months. And I was kind of I was kind of being shitty to him because mm-hmm. They they just put out the bait so many times and then nothing will happen, right? So I didn't want to get my hopes up. I like to I like to say I'm under under promise over deliver. It's That's kinda, always the best. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> low expectations and then you could deliver. So September first, I moved here. August sixteenth, I had no idea I was moving. That's not a lot of time to making like a huge decision to move cross country either. Yeah. I mean, it's exciting when you know that there's something calling you to do it, but that's a big ass move. Exactly. Yeah, and it was so sudden. Like the immediately, the first person I called what weren't even my parents, it was my landlord. <laughs> I was like, hey man, I gotta get out this lease. This is why. I wouldn't leave if it was to move somewhere else locally. Like I'm going cross country. Right. And yeah, I had to ask like my parents for money. I just went to a bachelor party in, in July. I went to two in like three weeks. Mm-hmm. So I spent way more money than I wanted to, but I had no idea I was leaving. Yeah. So like my parents helped me, my grandparents helped me. A buddy of mine just like Venmoed me money. He's like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. He, I didn't even ask him. We, we just went out to dinner before I left and I was just telling him like, yo, it's crazy. So much money, you know, moving shit and whatnot. And then I just woke up the next morning. He's like, yo, I know it's for a good cause. I've paid him back, so it's also easier to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was just cool because, like, I didn't ask him. But he was just like, yo, I know you're going there for a purpose. It's not just a On vacation a or, you know, like, you're actually going there for work. And uh, it's been the best decision I think I've made in a very, very long time. That's awesome. And it's always hard, like what you said, when you're going through something and it doesn't you don't really can't see the light at the end of the tunnel but like you have this feeling that it's going to be something it's a lot harder to ask for support when you don't have the tangible evidence of how successful it's going to be I've struggled with that so many times in my life even like currently like even when I started this podcast I'm like I see it 
Like I see what it's supposed to be. I see the message. I see who it's going to help. I see what it's going to do for my business and for my my brand and everything. But when someone had asked me like, well, what is fearless? I, in the beginning, I would feel my whole energy just kind of shrink a little bit because it was hard for me to articulate it. But the bigger and more successful you see something get, it's hard, it's easier to be like, okay, well, this is what I'm doing. But when somebody asks you like, well, is it lucrative? Are you making a lot of money? You instantly kind of like also kind of shrink back down and that you shouldn't do that, but it's really hard to avoid. I, I think that's just how people are. Yeah. Right. And I love that you bring that up because I, I hear myself in what you were just mm-hmm. saying now too. Cause in the beginning, everything always starts off the same, right? Like in the beginning, it's, yo, I'm starting this new thing. Right. And then immediately, like my, my dad is like off the boat Greek. My parents are Greek. My mom is born and raised in the, in the U.S. My dad is like off the boat. He came here when he was like 22 years old. So when you meet him, you can tell right away. You're like, you're not American. We can tell, <laughs> right? And uh, he's self-employed. We have a coffee truck in the city. So I was working the coffee truck, like breakfast sandwiches and whatnot. And I was working with my dad. And I like dropped out of college with like 24 credits to go because I wanted to create content. And yeah, I was making no money. Like I'm talking about six months into me creating content. But there was something about it. Like people gravitated to me. They liked the the I was always the sports betting guy growing up. Like I always knew about the betting stuff. And if you ask my dad what it means to be happy and successful, he just points to his pockets. Mm-hmm. My dad is like, bottom line, how much money are you making? So when I would stay home on a Friday night and I'm 27 years old because I gotta edit some video or I gotta record some content, he he couldn't put it in his mind how that's possible. But now it's like you eventually you get to a point where people see it like they see the results right right? so when they see the results it's it's an easier sell to them yeah and it shouldn't be the case but But it it, it It also is. is right like i've always said how my parents are the like they talk shit to my face like always my whole life. So when I would hear from other people, it never, it never bothers me. You're like I'm so used I'm to like, this. yo, my parents have been <laughs> trashing me my whole life when I was, since I was five, <laughs> when I was like shitty, like, yo, I, um, when I was, when I was like 26, I just remember telling my mom something. I, I just gotten out of like, not a relationship, but I was just talking to someone for a couple months and like nothing happened. And my mom just like straight up. I don't know if it was like that time of the month for her or whatever it might've been, but she was just like, Yo, honestly, why would a girl want to date you? Oh my god! <laughs> you're like, thanks, mom. She's like, why? You're 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 staying at home. You have nothing to bring to the table. Like you're you're better than this. It was like one of those things. But you know what? That's actually at the same time as harsh as that is. That's also good that she's lighting the fire underneath your ass because those mothers, women or men, who are like, oh, honey, you're just good the way you are. Don't change anything and just kind of coddle. Yeah. Are you ever going to change? You're well, that's also what, why I think there's a lot of problems going on in a the world right now because of that. There's a great, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to come off as a reader because I am definitely not one. But uh, my favorite book ever is The Coddling of the American Mind. And they talk about that. How like it coincides with mental health and depression and suicides. It, that coincides with the growth of social media. Mm. So now it's like I'm looking at my friends that I graduated with or I grew up with and they have their their jobs and they have like their career path or maybe they have a girlfriend that they're with for a couple of years. They're engaged with her. And I'm like, damn, bro, like I'm working with my dad. I'm making 400 bucks a week and I'm grinding out this thing that I see going back to what you were saying before. Like I see what this is going to become and I know what I can make of it, but it's a hard sell in the beginning. Oh, yeah. And even even my dad, the same thing. My dad would be like, yo. My dad's old school, right? And I know nowadays it's kind of frowned upon, but he's like, yo, the guy has to bring something to the table. He's like, I never want you to go and meet a girl. And when you go and meet the dad at like a barbecue, he's like, oh, so what do you do? He's like, it's important, dude. Think about me. Like if you were a, if you were a girl and she brought a guy home and he brought nothing to the table, I'd be like, yo, don't be with him. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know it's old school, but that provider mentality is still should be instilled today. And that also is something that's like making men a little weak. But at the same time, if you're still grinding towards something that you see, I feel like there's a lot to be said about someone with passion who is pursuing something versus somebody who is just like, like smoking weed, not doing anything unmotivated, just, you know, popping a squat at their parents' house with no drive. I think that's different than somebody who just might be in a space where they're still building. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. You have to have a plan. Like my dad oh, yeah. was always like, yo, you have to have a plan. At least have a plan. <laughs> have a plan and 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 show show people that things are happening. Right. Yeah. And 
Look, I, I feel like a very polarizing thing that I see on social media is people are like, I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks. It's like, well, I, I kind of do, right? Like, I really do. When it's when it's my audience and they don't like something I did, like, that bothers me. It's like, yo, I'm, I'm trying to create content for you guys. Right. Like, you, when you're a content creator, I always think of it as, like, I don't really have a boss when it comes to the podcast. Like, yeah, I work with Blue Wire and I do some production stuff. But I'm saying the way I, I look at, like, my fans, they're my employee. Pretty much. I mean, who's your audience? Like your audience for a content creator is literally a huge percentage of why your content is getting hits. Yeah. It's for other people. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, I look at them as like, yo, they're my boss. If I put mm -hmm. out some whack shit, they're going to tell me about it. I can't be. Oh, they'll tell be, you. <laughs> I can't be sensitive to it. And, and like through the years, right. I, I feel as if you need to get pats on the back from something like something needs to happen. So like three years into creating content, this one company reached out to me and they're like, yo, we want you to do some digital media for us. I was like, oh, all right, this stuff is working. Like I'm a big like figure it out as I go guy, mm -hmm. but also you need that affirmation to say that, all right, this stuff is really working. Because right. sometimes we could be so close to it. It's like the elephant analogy. Like sometimes you're too close to the elephant that you mm -hmm. can't see how big it is. Yeah, It's the same thing. And like through the years it was, all right, I'm working with this company. Now I'm working with this company. I got this dope-ass sponsor that paid for the football season. I got all these things going. And then, you know, I get to, I would get so hyped when I would get asked to go interview for some, like, big networks, and I wouldn't get it. You would think I got the job, but I was like, yo, I started doing this shit in my, my parent, my friend's yeah. basement. And, like, even getting the offers to me was, like, a pat on the back. Yeah, well, you have to take yourself outside the box every once in a while and remember how far you've come. There was a time where I started pulling back. Um, just, I think, a little imposter syndrome got in the way. I talked to Amber about it all the time where I, like, stopped booking shows. And, like, Amber would call me. John would call me, like, where are you? I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. I just, like, I kind of just fell off the idea of, like, what I, what I was doing. I was starting to think that it wasn't good enough. And just all these, like, random thoughts would come in my head about the content I was putting out. But I just didn't believe I was, – I was starting to not believe in it as much as I did in the beginning. And they would always remind me, go back and watch your content. Like, watch where you started from. Do you remember when you were recording at home? You're in a studio now. You have people who believe in you. You have messages that are reaching people. So you do have to stop every once in a while and like remember where it started. And if that's the pat on the back you need to give yourself, then that's what you need to give yourself before you're getting paid. Because for me, I wasn't getting paid for, a, I mean, I still, still to this day, like it's very, very little sponsors, sponsorships, but I believe in it enough to know that it will get there, but you need to keep going to get those things. But the only person that's going to push you to get there is yourself at that point. So you need to take a second and like, remember like, Hey, you were doing this like good fucking job. Like you need to be your own hype person for a while, especially in the entrepreneurial space, entrepreneurial <laughs> space. <laughs> yeah. I say, I say like, you have to be your own cosign. Like, oh, don't yeah. go looking for other people to co-sign it. Like, you have to be. And when it comes to imposter sh syndrome, I feel as people that suffer from that is because of other people. Dive in a little deeper to how you So, like, I don't that. feel like I have imposter syndrome. Like, I, I don't go around telling people that I'm the man. Like, I think that's that's incredibly corny. And you see a lot of content nowadays. It was also funny. seems a little disingenuous, like, not very genuine. Yeah, it's, like, arrogant, too, <laughs> yeah. right? So. Um, I was telling you before we started recording, I got to be very selective on like the shows that I go on, especially some of the so shows out of here. They're very like women got to be. Don't get me started. Yeah, right. <laughs> so like I find all that stuff like I call it all era corny. Mm -hmm. Like if you put them in like the 60s and the 30s in 2060, like they'd still be corny. And I think all that content is really cringe and corny to me. So when it comes to like imposter syndrome to circle back, that I think is all your perception uh your perception from other people mm -hmm. and like i don't go around telling people that like yo i have the best show i have the best this i'm the best in doing that but i do however when people ask me how i feel about my content i have to speak up for myself right i have to be have my to own cosign that's how i got every opportunity that i've been given because when i first started working with the win they asked if they knew anyone that could like produce a sports betting show and be a co-host and they were like picking my brain to it it ended up being a test they wanted me to speak up for mm -hmm. it but at the time, I was like, yo, I hate to be that guy. But I was like, I'm, I'm that guy. It's for me. This. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> and they're like, elaborate. I was like, yo, I, I don't think there's anyone better than me when it comes to this stuff. And I was like, I'm only talking to you this way because you asked me how I feel about my content. Right. So when someone asks me, like, how do you feel about your content? I'm, I'll tell them, yo, I think I'm the best at, at this specific thing. 
Yeah, but you have you do have to believe in yourself so much that you don't get rattled. And I think you're right when it comes to imposter syndrome. It's your uh, absorption of like how people are projecting onto you potentially, if that makes sense. Like, because now when I'm thinking about it, anytime I've ever doubted myself, it was potentially because of something that I heard about myself from someone else. It was never because of what I told myself I was, because I always told myself that I can do this, that if I, and if I can't do it, I'll learn how to do it. So I know that I can do whatever I set my mind to, but it was just any outside noise that possibly came in that would make me doubt myself. And like you said, it came from outside like it didn't come from anything internal and if it was my thoughts it was because of something that i heard so it was never right. me telling myself i suck or i can't do this because i would never do that to myself i mean we definitely have our own moments where like fuck that didn't sound good but i work really hard at reframing that verbiage that i tell myself because the way you talk to yourself is everything you have to sit inside that every single day so if you're constantly telling yourself like i can't do this i might not be good enough who am i to do this any like self-deprecating verbiage is going to kill your dreams for sure but i think if you look at anyone that is successful or has you know like when i when i look at people in the sports media space a lot of them were just like me it's just that now they're they're in the game for 25 something years 20 25 years it's like yeah now they're they're seasoned. They're that person where I'm I'm still starting. I'm still like mm. growing what my brand is and who I am. I want to circle back to what you said just now about like other people. Are those people like friends and family that make you feel that way? So it's interesting because I my mom is amazing. She's been my biggest fan my entire life. No matter what I did, she's like biggest cheerleader. But my mom also grew up in a different frame of mind than I did. Because she's always like, Christina, I don't know where you got this confidence from. Christina, I don't know how you go to dance auditions and pool auditions and, and feel okay putting yourself out there for you know the world to criticize you or even yeah. like podcasting. You're putting yourself out there. But I know I'm doing that. But she she didn't have that confidence growing up. So she always wondered. So I say that to say this, like when I go to do something, sh her first reactions will normally be like, well, what if they do this to you? Or like, what if they say something bad? Or, you know, it's a lot of like the glass half empty sometimes um, versus being like, well, I don't know what could happen. Her first instinct is to be fear based. But I, I get where that came from. Um, not to shame her at all, but I, I get where that came from. So I've worked really hard at trying to flip it. Um, so she never makes me feel like I can't do something, but it's more of like the, she's a worry wart, you know, like th she gets really nervous. She's a mom. She's, a, she's my mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She never wants to see anyone bad talking about me. She doesn't want to hear me cry. She doesn't want me to get my heart broken or my hopes up. I, I get that. So I, um, that's a little different, but my, my family grew up really supportive. So I never had that from like parents. My mom always was like, you can do anything. But, um, I've been on social media for a while and. I had a really tough time for a little bit when my following was growing and I took things to heart when I would hear people say things about me or comment about me because I'm a fitness competitor. My body is up for critique all of the time, which is fine. I, I get it. But, you know, when you hear negative things about you over and over and over again, it's like being in a toxic relationship. You hear bad things about you, sometimes you start to believe it or you start to wonder things about yourself. So I had to really work on myself and my self-confidence for a while. And I don't regret it. And I'm glad I went through some tough times because it actually really taught me a lot about myself and it taught me self-love. Bad relationships taught me self-love. Every single negative thing I've ever been through has taught me to be the person that's sitting here today. So I think it was part of the process because now like, yeah, every once in a while, a comment might like jab me in my side and be like, fuck, <laughs> like, that hurt, I'm human. But at the same time, I know where to take things with a grain of salt now and be like, no offense to anybody who sends me negative shit, but like, you could fucking never, you could never sit where I'm sitting and do what I do because I guarantee you the people that could are not talking shit to a stranger on the internet. Yeah, that's exactly it, right? Like, I think uh, I heard Joe Rogan one time say, do you think Michael Jordan leaves YouTube comments? Yeah, fuck <laughs> no, like, are you nah, kidding? No, he doesn't. So no user three seven five from like some random ass city like sitting Boise. in their mom's basement yeah. is saying this shit to you on the internet. Yeah, it's fun. It's funny hearing that though, because like I um, 
Man, I don't know if I'd be the guy I am today if it wasn't for my parents and like my close group of friends. Like yeah. I, I got I got a group of friends who I'm I'm 32. I've had the same group of friends for like 20 and some of them like 25 years. Yeah, and they say you are like the closest what like five people. I don't know if that's so so specific, but like yeah. you are who you hang out with. Yeah, but also like in the sense of where like we we grew up and to this day we say the most outrageous shit to <laughs> one another. Like cancelable shit to one another but in the end of the day they got my back i got their back and like they they support my stuff they'll repost my stuff too but like if you were to just walk in on a conversation me and my buddies are having you'll probably say to yourself holy shit do you guys even like each other (laughs) but that's the thing though like we we grew up developing one another like thick skin you know like we will trash there was one time uh one of my really good friends uh brandon we call him finney it's his last name uh i wore this like I just put together some outfit after I just worked out and I recorded on on my show back home. He goes, yo, do me a favor. I was like, what? He's like, never fucking wear that thing again. (laughs) He's like, what were you doing? He's like, yo, you look horrible. Like your whole brand is on camera. He's like, what the fuck? Dress nice, dude. And uh, I looked at it like, yo, you're right. Like I should, everything on social media is is like public perception, right? So you should kind of look the part. I had the same conversation when I first moved out here with Jeremiah, who's, who's at the studio. And he's like the guy that really spearheaded me coming out here. And he just pulled me aside one day. He's like, dude, do you want to make millions of dollars one day or do you want to make what you're making now? I was like, millions would be dope. He's like, you got to clean it up, dude. You can't come to record at the wind in fucking sweatpants and a Rugrats t-shirt and you looking like you just rolled out of bed. He's like, you want to just be a basement out of your mom's crib or do you want to be in front of TV and in front of millions of people? He's like, you got to play that part. You got to play that role. Yeah. And, because you but, are a representation of everything about you. Yeah. You, you represent your family, your friends, uh, the company that you work with. Like, that's what I was telling you before, kidding around, but also being serious. Like, I'm very selective with the shows that go on because I don't I also don't believe in a lot of that stuff, too. Like, well, I appreciate you for wanting to come on my show then. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, Amber reached out to me and like George and Austin, like those are my guys. And, and they were telling me about like what kind of show you have. So I was like, yeah, that'd be dope because I always come on shows and I just talk about sports. So I want to yeah. talk about a couple other things, but I just feel like some people like the whole coddling thing. And, and some people just like, people are just soft nowadays. Yeah. And, and w- when it comes to like imposter syndrome, I don't feel like I suffer from that at all. Like, just cause I always knew where it was going to get to, but I also had people that like would believe in you and would like bully in. me in a, in a, in like a positive way. Like yeah. I think sometimes bullying could be a good thing. Like when I got really fat, my friends were like, yo bro, you got fat. Well, they're holding you accountable. Exactly. That's a little bit different. If you don't have people holding you accountable, I mean, find some new friends. Yeah, like your I friends should tell you when you're slipping. Oh, I don't trust people and I don't hang out with people that don't don't like hold me accountable. Or, yeah. or like the whole yes man thing. Like I've never had people like that ever. Like I want you to be like, yo, you know what? You were you're being, fucking up. <laughs> yeah, you were being a piece of shit back there. In public though, in public, I got your back 100%. Yeah. If us two are out at a bar and someone's going back and forth with you, and, it, and not even like a physical altercation, but you guys are having a conversation and they're being aggressive. In public, I got your back 100%. In the car ride home, I might be like, yo, you kind of started that. You're being a piece of shit there. But in public, and that's how I've always been with my friends and my family. It's like, yo, I got your back through thick and thin. But that also helps like being accountable. You have yeah. to pull them aside and be like, yo, that's not that's yeah. not the right thing. I hate when I see people who don't hold their friends accountable. I had like... I have, I'm thankful for the friends that I have because they would always be that way with me as well. But I, I remember I dated somebody once who had friends that would completely encourage bad behavior and encourage terrible behavior behind the scenes. Like, you know, you have a, you have a friend who's like a brother to me and, you know, we're together. I was engaged like, and, but that behind the scenes, that brother to me is encouraging you to cheat on me and not hold you, holding you accountable to like be a man and like man the fuck up. Those aren't friends like or even if it's not about a relationship, but they're encouraging you to do things that are going to be bad for your character or not help your self-development to grow. Do you really think that that's a friend? I don't know. Like no. if I even if I had girlfriends that were encouraging me to do bad stuff behind the scenes that wouldn't be good for me. That's a little questionable. Actually, I even know that's very questionable. No, nah, for sure. And I've I've been in I feel like I pride myself on being self-aware. Yeah. Right. And I feel like I could slide into any conversation. I could slide into any group of people. I've never done any drugs. I love to drink, though. 
But I have friends that are sober and like they went to rehab and like they used to be alcoholics and now they go to, when I go out with them, I'm not going to drink in front of them. Right. Like I could control myself. I have that self-discipline of being like, yo, read the room, big right. read the room guy. Right. So it's being able to adjust to that. And I was telling you this before we started recording. I had a friend of mine who um, he started dating this one girl and the girl was perfect. Um, now they're, they're engaged they're together happily ever after and whatnot. But at the time he had just come out of this like shitty ass relationship. And I'm, I'm telling him, I'm like, yo, this girl is way too good for you. And she's like into you, dude. I was like, what are you doing? Like she has a career job. Her family looks out for her. She has to be home at like 11 o'clock and she's 26. Like her parents are that strict. Like you don't really get that. And especially how he is, right? Like he's someone who he's also very Italian and cultured. I was like, yo, it kind of coincides. Like this is what you're looking for. And then He'd be like, yo, let's go out and like get girls. I was like, no, dude, you have her. Like, I'm telling you, this isn't your thing. This is this is what you gotta do. So I was looking out for him and I told him, and, and I'm glad that it's all worked out. But it's like, yo, I don't trust people that are not straight with me. And sometimes yeah. I'm I'm a little petty and weird. Sometimes I'll I'll tell my friends like a lie of something I want to do just to see how they would react to it. You're like, this is the test. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like say if I was talking to a girl, I would tell them like, yo. Let's go. Let's go on vacation or something. Let's go and like you know do some do some whole shit, right? <laughs> and I would want to. And I have no intentions of doing that. But I would just say it to see if they're gonna be like, yeah, bro, let's go do it. Or, or like, if they're gonna be the like, yo, what about fucking Courtney? Yeah. You know, yeah. like that's. So sometimes I like plant that seed. Yeah, my friends will always just give me a look like before they say anything, and I'm like, <laughs> like this doesn't sound like you. <laughs> but you can always recognize when you're in like a toxic cycle too. Well, at least I think self-aware people can realize when they're in like toxic cycles a little bit but I think what you were saying about being self-aware for yourself and understanding like where you're at and like what you should and shouldn't do um comes down to what you were saying about like the way you were raised and yeah. the people that you've kind of grown up around because I think that's instilled from you from a, like a really young age or it's something that maybe like you weren't so great when you were younger but as you got older you took the time to like do some more self-development no absolutely I mean Look, I'm not going to come off as someone that was like star spangle awesome my entire yeah, well, life. Well, no one, like, no one's like perfect. Yeah. And and I've always my intentions have always been to do right by people. Yeah. Have I done some whack shit to others like growing up and like maybe I didn't call that girl back that I should have or maybe I ghosted whatever it might be. Yeah, I, I definitely have. I'm not proud of it, but it was also like I was 20. Yeah, I was 21 at the well, time. Everybody and in their 20s is like really trying to figure out who the fuck they are at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think that uh, that guys need to go through that like fuckboy stage. Yeah. I know girls don't like hearing that, but I feel like it's important. Well, I even think that, oh gosh, this is a, it's a touchy subject because I feel like people have different ideas on this too. But like girls go through phases as well. I know guys probably don't want to hear that too. Not that girls need to go out and like, slot it up and like be with a bunch of guys but I think girls also go through phases of trying to figure out who they are and understanding like what they deserve out of a man too and then they start pulling back and like kind of uh, kind of coming into their own to holding themselves more accountable for not dealing with just like toxic bullshit at the same time but I think for guys even more you guys have a lot more to get out of your systems than women do and that obviously tends to happen in like your 20s up I mean maybe even longer I don't know I feel like guys aren't really ready to get rid of that for a longer amount of time I could be wrong maybe it's Vegas but I feel like it's <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I feel like it's taking longer and longer for guys to get out of that that stage and be ready to be like okay I'm ready to man the fuck up now <laughs> yeah well so here's a here's a thing and this was a talking point I wanted to bring up with you to hear a, a woman's perspective because I don't really do shows like this right yeah so I think I never look at something as everything is a case by case to me. It's yeah. never like a stereotype. I could agree. You know, like it's never like it's I, not I don't black and white. Yeah. It's never like all girls that work in the nightclubs are pieces of shit or like yes. bottle girls. You can never <laughs> be with one. Right. Like, no, I think it's a case by case. Like just because this person is this and it doesn't mean that that person is right. Like yeah. I always a big issue that I have and I'll never be able to understand it because I don't do it. Like I've had my heart broken many times. I've had I've had uh, people lie to me. I've been in toxic relationships. But like if I start dating someone, I'm not I don't bring that stuff into a new one. Like right. I start with a blank slate with everybody. Yeah. When I first meet someone, they have 100 percent of my trust from there. It's like you can only fuck it up. Yeah. Right. So 
I don't get why people do that. I think the only reason, well, not they shouldn't. I don't like if you're if you're like knowingly being like, well, you know what? I got fucked up, so I'm not going to trust you and you're going to have to earn my trust. That's kind of fucked up. However, I understand having trauma. I understand having trauma, but it is your job as the person who has trauma to heal that trauma so you don't bleed it on to the next person that you're with. Like, yes, triggers can come up. Yes, you can be reminded of being like, fuck, you know, I got really hurt in the past. I'm really scared. But that's also your job to just articulate that to your partner so that they understand what you went through. But that partner isn't deserving of you projecting all of that shit that you've been through on them. So I think there's a fine line between being, it goes back to being self-aware. I'm very aware that I've had some really bad shit happen to me in my past. Have I bled it on to people I dated right afterwards? Absolutely. But it was way too fucking soon for me to get involved with somebody, but that's on me. Like I have to be aware enough to be like, I am not ready because I have to deal with this first. But I will say everybody I dated, not that there's been that many, like two, the two people I've dated in the last almost four years now since that toxic relationship, they're not responsible for what happened to me. And I completely trust them to not cheat on me. And if they're going to cheat on me or do some fucked up shit like what I've been through in the past, that wasn't because of something that happened to me. That was because that was their own free will and their decision to do that. And they can exit my life. But I don't sit there and worry in those relationships that they're going to cheat on me because... I have no idea if they're going to. And that has nothing to do with what I've been through, if that makes sense. No, it totally does. It's fascinating because I, I, I see this happen often where it's it's like, yo, it's not my fault that fucking Kyle was a piece of shit to you. I always, it, it's funny. I always think of Kyle as like that one name right away. Now I got two buddies. Fucking Kyle. I got two buddies <laughs> that I trained jujitsu with and their name are Kyle. And they're the nicest kids ever. And I told them the story. I was like, yo, you're the running joke. Like every piece of shit guy I know, his name is Kyle. So, but it's it's like, it's not... It's not fair to you. And I, I can never understand it because like, and it's not for me to understand because like you said, everyone handles things differently and right. trauma differently. But I don't know, man. I, I feel like it's so unfair. It's so unfair to the next person because it has nothing to do with them. Yeah. But I think it really goes down into how that person with the trauma is dealing with it. Because if I'm, if I tell, like if I got into a relationship now, I would obviously at some point tell them what I've been through in the past. So they're aware, but that is no reflection on who they are. But right. it, it, but it took me a while to, to understand that I had to go to therapy. I had to do energy work. I had to do a lot of healing and self-development to understand that like what happened to me doesn't define who I am for one. And it also doesn't mean that I can't trust anybody else. Like if you hear a woman or a guy saying, you know what? I just don't trust anybody. Like I'll never trust anyone again. That person is giving you a flag that they're not ready to be in a relationship. Yeah. Not now. And that's on you. If you decide to pursue that, they are literally giving you, like we were talking about earlier, they are giving you like the hint that they are not healed individuals. So if you still pursue that person and something comes out that doesn't seem right, that they're still dealing with it, it's because they're not ready. They haven't taken the time to like do the work on their own because also the next relationship isn't going to fix you. Mm. Um, and I had to learn that. Like, I, I remember there was somebody I got involved with almost right away after I had left a really toxic relationship. And not that I expected it, but I think subconsciously I was like, oh, my God, this person's going to fix this for me. This person's going to take care of me and heal this, which they did. They were very soft and sweet in a way where they, like, tended to my um, post-traumatic stress, honestly. But that helped because I was like, okay, a guy can take care of me. A guy won't abuse me. A guy can be a protector and that got better but all the internal stuff it was still there and so that was up to me to deal with and I knew I would never be able to have a healthy relationship with someone again until I came to terms with what was going on internally but that takes a very self-aware person to like understand that yeah and I I don't think that time heals all Uh, right (laughs) I just think we learn how to deal with it how to manage yeah like uh I heard this one dude, he was talking about like when his dad, his dad passed away, his Mm -hmm. dad killed himself. And it was right around the same time where like one of my really good friends, the the first guy that introduced me to jujitsu, he, uh, he ended up taking his life and he said something that resonated with me. And I'm like, dude, you know what? That's the answer. And he was saying how, you know, that trauma of his dad passing away and like my buddy passing away, it's never going to go away. We just learn how to deal with it. And that's a way to combat the trauma. Yeah. It's like I think about that dude every day, right? It's and like I'm a management. big, yeah, and I'm a big like experience guy. 
I never want to talk out of my ass if I'm like I can't tell someone how what it's like to be married. I've never been married or, or be in a relationship where like I've I haven't had a girlfriend since social media popped up. Like my last girlfriend was in high school, and what I mean by that is like a girl that I introduced to my friends and family. Like this is my lady. Yeah. I just haven't had one, right? So I don't know what it's like if like I like some girl's picture on fucking Instagram of what, you know, I hear horror stories from my buddies when that <laughs> happens. It's like, dude, it was just like passing by and I just hit the, and, and it's chaos, There's, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I like to talk from like experiences. So for me, it's always been something that's been, it's been weird because when it comes to like relationships for me, the way I look at it is that, that old saying of like right girl, wrong time. I really believe that. But also sometimes people tell you exactly who they are, but we're just like blinders. You got blinders. Yeah. yeah. They usually tend to tell you who they are in the very beginning. And you just don't want to accept it. No. And you're also clouded by this like endorphin rush of, oh my gosh, this is a new person. This is a new attractive person. Oh my God. They're telling me exactly what I want to hear. Could this be like a potential? And so you're so wrapped up in all of this, like, good like feelings that you're getting that you are blinded to potentially also what they're showing you and you know when you do meet somebody for the first time you are getting the best representation of who this person could be you haven't like taken a deep dive yet into like who they actually are um so yeah you you have to like give it some time to really like truly understand who somebody is and it might not be who you think they are (laughs) yeah it might not it might not do you think red flags don't they're they're looking a little orange yeah do do you feel like i've always i've always said to myself that i i probably the girl that i would end up probably being with would be through a friend of mine introducing me yeah i i don't really believe in dating apps anymore um i met the most toxic human in the entire world off a dating app that wound up becoming my fiance for three years and i yes maybe that like it goes back to what you said, like, well, don't let one person ruin it for you for everything. Because I have know plenty of people who have met over dating apps. But for me, for me, it's just my opinion. I think that the person who like you're best suited for, you might meet. No, you will meet organically. Mm. Like you're going to meet through doing things you're passionate about or you're going to meet through somebody knowing somebody being like oh my gosh i think you guys might be like a good match because i know you and i know them and might that's what i mean or just like it might it's it's just gonna happen in a more fluid way than you being on an app for two hours just fucking swiping and using like 0.3 seconds of your of your um what's what i'm looking for of your attention span to decide if you want to talk to this person or not. Our attention spans as humans are getting so small because of social media. So we, and everything is so disposable. Somebody, you can pick up your phone right now and probably find someone to go out with. I was, I was coming home from work one time with my dad and I was on my phone and I was on either Bumble or Tinder. It, it definitely wasn't like Hinge because Hinge is like, you can like scroll through more. It's, it's a little bit, I feel like Hinge is, is the one that I would go to. Mm-hmm. That, that's the one that I got on when I first like came out to Vegas I went on one date. I thought it was going to be dope. It was dope. And then, like, the red flags were popping up. Like, the girl would take mad long to text me back. But then we would always hang out. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, what the hell? And then it just kind of, like, died Fizzled out. Kinda, off, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so I'm in the car, and I'm just, like, swiping. And my dad's like, what is that? I was like, yo, it's this, like, new thing. It's, like, these apps where, you know, I can find someone to go out with on the weekend or whatever it might be. He's like, man, your generation's in trouble. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a weird it's weird because it's so normal now, you know, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I but also, you know, with social media being the way it is with just Instagram in general, like a lot of us work from home. A lot of us work from social media. And that is a way that you can kind of like see who someone is. But at the same time, social media can be such a facade. I can be such a fucking facade. I love that you bring this up because on my show, one I don't really have set questions that I ask people. Yeah. I'm a very vibe and, and like Same. energy guy. I feed off that. Yeah, I have an idea of what I would talk to you about. One of like the core questions that I like asking people is what's your relationship with social media? Because mine is it's it's like a yin yang. Yeah. So what is it? In what way would you say that, though? It's everything that I've had happen to me in my life has been because of social media from like a professional standpoint and a career standpoint. But it also sucks. I feel like I'm the same way because 
I wouldn't be here unless it was for my social media. That's I, what I'm saying too. And the, and this, I don't know if like a lot of people listening know, but like I didn't have a social media presence when I met my ex fiance um, back in 2018 and he had a huge social media presence. Um, not the greatest. Like there was a lot of uh, like bad stuff that was about him online. I just didn't know or understand that at the time because I didn't, I met him on Bumble. I didn't know the backstory. I didn't know if what was real was real, but there was a lot of rumors about him like conning people and like, you know, just doing some bad shady shit. But long story short. Damn, you match with the Tinder swindler? Oh my God. My friends and I joke so hard because I feel like this was a smaller, different kind of version of this person. That's great. But I mean, it's not great for what happened not, to you, but I, we can, you know what we can, I can laugh now. Yeah. Um, and I will say that like, <laughs> it's funny. Cause like I, I get to the point now where I'm like, did this person even love me? Does this person even want to be with me? Or was I just a, was I like a pawn? But anyway, regardless, um, we were both in the fitness industry and he encouraged me to compete. Um, he encouraged me to have a voice on social media because he's like, you're really inspiring. And so thank you to my ex, but I started doing like little Monday motivation, like 60 second videos back when that's all you could post. And I started practicing talking on social media and I started posting my fitness journey and people started following along and being inspired. And I started having more of an organic following because the women would see me and be like, oh, I I like her. Mm. And so I started doing that and my following started growing and growing and growing. And then him and I obviously had a a presence together so it helped me get on social media and you know being in that environment taught me how to show up on social media i was not an entrepreneur i didn't know how to run a business i was a hairstylist and running my own business but not social media was like not a thing so i wound up in a position that grew and grew and grew and i just took all i can in that led me to understanding how to monetize social media and how to have a brand And after that whole relationship ended, I remember thinking to myself, I had wanted to start a podcast because I wanted to take those 60 second videos and take what I was sharing long forum and and make it here. And after I had like gone through all this bad stuff, I was going to therapy because I had complex post-traumatic stress. I didn't know how to speak. Like I really was like really shy. I was going through a lot and I moved out and wound up moving into an apartment complex that had a podcast studio. And I was like, this is really random. So I used it to practice and I would just record stuff. I wouldn't even post it. I would just record it and practice and practice and practice. And then one day um, a studio um, podcaster from here found me in the gym and was like, I want to interview you. And I, I decided after a while I'd come in and that's when I met the owner here and he heard my story and he's like, you really need to post the videos. Um, and I told him what my whole idea was for fearless because I didn't want to live like how I was living anymore. I wanted to have free expression. I wanted to give a platform for other people to come on and share their stories, whether it's just more casual, like you and I are talking, or I have people who come in here who was like, I was trying to commit suicide for five years and I found my voice and now I help other people. So it can go from a little lighthearted to understanding how to navigate life to sharing these inspirational stories. And I'm like, I just feel like people need more of that. So I say that to say this because I had a really negative relationship with social media for a, a time period. And now I see it as a way to reach more people to help. But I also have to monitor the way that I'm using social media. Like the percentage of creation versus consuming needs to be completely like. I fuck with that. Like it can't even be 50-50. Like it needs to be like, I don't even 80, know. Like 80-20. Yeah, yeah, I swear. Yeah. You need to be creating more than you're consuming. And not that you can't consume because you get inspiration, you learn. But I'm talking about like mindless scrolling and just absorbing random ass shit that I feel like that is not as constructive as like consuming for a purpose. So I always tell people to audit their following. Like completely audit the list of people you're following. I can't tell you. It happened to me recently within like the last month or two. I was I was laying down in bed and I usually sleep. I wake up at 6 a.m. every morning. Um, and it's not because it's like, you know, you see all that content. Like you got to wake up at four in my the morning, morning and, <laughs> and, and you got to make your bed. Uh, fun fact, I never make my bed. I'm very petty, like I said before. Right. So I see these dudes that are like. You want to be successful, you got to make your bed. You go to my house right now, you go to my house right now, it's never made. It's literally never made. The only time I make my bed is if I know people are coming, like, for a specific reason. Yeah. Right? Like, I have friends over to watch the fights. Yeah, I'm not going to be a fucking piece of trash. But it's like, yo, 
I can't be successful if I don't make my bed? Bet. I'm going to show you now, right? So I'm laying in bed, and it's like 8.45 at night. I'm like, yo, I'm really tired. I go on my phone. I'm on TikTok. Down the rabbit hole you go. And then it's like 11.30. <laughs> I was like, what the hell just happened? So the consumption thing that you were talking about, I, I love that. Yeah, well, and think about, too, like we were talking about earlier about how our attention span's getting so short. Like, it's quick. Why do you think the videos that do well are, like, under 15 seconds? Yeah. Because people, like, they can't they can't keep their watch time for a certain amount of things. I, and I didn't know for a while, but it wasn't just, the algorithm wasn't just about getting, like, an ex- exponential amount of likes or comments, it was the average watch time on your video yeah. that was recirculating it. And it made me think, so I'm like, okay, if a video is a minute long, how many people are gonna watch that full minute? Like you really have to capture them within that first seven seconds because we can't fucking sit still. So if we're laying in bed trying to get to sleep and we're just scrolling, 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 like what is that doing to our brains? Same thing with social media, I'm sorry, same thing with like dating apps, like how, we don't even take the time to actually sit and like look and understand. We're just so quick with it. It's it's uh, instant gratification. Yeah. And it's why um, recently I had this conversation also with a buddy of mine. He was like, dude, I'm so happy for you. Everything that you've done. Like, it's dope to see this happen overnight. I was like, overnight? You're like, this is not overnight. <laughs> I was like, yo, that's the worst thing you've ever told me. Overnight? <laughs> I was like six years ago when I was editing a video for 12 people to see. That wasn't overnight. Nights yeah. that I wasn't going out partying and shit. That wasn't overnight. This is me, like, for years. Now you're seeing it, and you're like, oh, yo, this is dope. You're at the win. You're doing this. You're going to VC. You're going to all these places. Like, nah, man, don't disrespect me with that. Don't say this overnight stuff. But I've always, I love adversity. I hate people that have never been through something. Yeah. Like, I I feel, it's going to sound shitty, but I've also been through it. Like, I like people with some baggage. I like people with some, like, yeah, you know what? It sucks that you got your heart broken and, like, everything that happened to you, but it builds character. Yeah. Because the softest people I know have never been through anything. And the moment something, the moment something happens, it's like the end of the world. It's like, bro, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And then going back to the self-awareness, I had, a, I had a buddy of mine recently got let go by his job. And he's like, can you believe they let me go? I was like, dude, can you believe? I could tell you eight reasons right now why you got let go. It's like, it's not a surprise. Yeah. It's like I would have fired you also. Like you're not you're not doing anything. Like you're not contributing. I always feel like you gotta become such an undeniable asset to whether a company or a product, whatever it might be, that it's a very difficult decision for you to be let go. Yeah. Like my podcast isn't as big it's not big in the sense of where like I can only live off the money that the podcast is generating. I'm very grateful for it and I'm grateful for the Patreon and I do bring in some good money for the podcast, but that's not enough for me to just live off of. Right. Ideally, best case scenario, I'm doing a show five days a week, live streaming it the whole nine, and like that's my income. But until then, I have to do the audio work. I got to do the video work. I got to be the studio technician at the studio. I got to do all these other things. But I love that though. Yeah. Because I call it like that's that's the dream supply. Like the dream is to do what I just told you now, what I would love to do. But it's like, but you yo, can't skip all that other stuff. Yeah, and I have no problem with putting it in yeah. work. But see, that's the difference, though. And I think the people who want to skip all of that are the people who never actually get to where they want to go because they forget that, like, that's part of the journey. Like, you don't get to skip that part. And It's important because yeah. you have a foundation there. Like, going back to what we were talking about before, like, with experiences, right? And you are, like, what you grew up from. My dad has, I've never been on a family vacation with my parents. Mm-hmm. My mom's a teacher. My dad is self-employed. Like my dad, theoretically, he could take off all of June and come visit me out here. But then you know who's not going to make money all of June? My dad. Yeah. Right. So it's a gift and a curse. You're your own boss, but also you got to grind. So like, yeah, yeah that you, freedom comes later. It comes, it comes way later. And sometimes like sometimes in my dad's it case, not. it might not come at all. Like my main goal, if like I always put a hashtag, like jobs not done, quoting Kobe, Kobe Bryant once said that. But, like, for me, job's going to be done when, like, I pay my parents' crib. Yeah. When I pay that, I'll be like, yo, I'm good now. Yeah. Because I've never, like, money to me, my dad always told me how, uh, he's like, I wish I was like you when it comes to money. Like, I don't care about money at all. I love the freedom that it provides for me. But you're not attached to, like, I'm not the- like, I need to make this amount or I'm going to be miserable. It's like, nah, man, like, this is all dope. I don't want to say I'm on borrowed time, but for someone that dropped out of college and, like, I learned how to do all this stuff on my own, like, you won't hear me complain about shit when it comes to anything. 
Yeah. I just can't because I feel like I'd be doing a disservice to people like my dad or other people that got it worse. You are. And I actually think that that's a that there's a really like toxic thing right now, too, about men thinking that like you can't be considered like a high value man if you I hate fucking using this term it, I it, hate like, all grinds. this content it, it, like I literally just felt my whole body just fucking tense yeah up. I saw you tense up I, uh, <laughs> but you know one of the big stigmas is like unless you're a top 10% earner in this country you're not a high value man according to right this is right it's to what like to, who who is saying this? Like, I think I think my dad's a high valued man. He don't make he don't make six figures. Like he, him and my mom have been together for thirty six years. Okay, and this is great that you're saying this because this is my argument when I'm presented with this from specific people because I'm like, you are you are discrediting the men of this country who actually might not be in that top ten percent, but are actually a better person than you might be. Yeah. To and, and and you know what? The, okay, let, let's be realistic. There are a lot of women out there that are like, I'm only going to date somebody if they have this much money and this and this and this. But I also think that that demographic of women is very toxic. So also might be in the minority here. I have no problem with women being like that at all, mm -hmm. at all. Like what I was telling you when my mom told me that one time, she's like, Yeah, of course, dude. Why would a girl want to date you? Like you have nothing to bring to the table. And yeah, I get it, the ambition and the passion and all that, but. Like, yo, in the end of the day, it's yeah. it's like you have to you have to bring something to the table. You do. So I have no is. I have no problem with a girl being like because I've been in that situation where I've wanted a girl really bad. But like I was making like 300 bucks a week. Like I couldn't. Yeah. And I'm not saying to spoil well, I her. Only, I the, only think it's toxic if the woman is saying that th that is like putting down people for that. If, if, if that's what they want, that's that's good. If a woman is looking for x y and z that's your preference. she has every right to like to want that without question um, but i don't feel like people need to be putting down anybody for like i don't know i, I just have a tricky time with it because i feel like i feel like it's just the, the energy around those kinds of podcasts right now is really toxic Yo, i just i truly feel like everybody doesn't need to be for everybody no not everyone isn't for everybody and they aren't and that's not a problem at all like if a girl is like i want a dude that makes seven figures and this and that and the over six foot thing, which always like makes me like, I don't know, I'm, I'm five, 10 proud of it. Like I can't change that, right? Like there's nothing I could do to change that. I got fat at one point, I was 250 pounds. Now I'm 195. So I've seen me, my weight go up and I felt wild insecure and felt like shit. Now it's not the case, but I've never been six, eight and now I'm five, 10. You know what I mean? So like, I can't relate to that, but it's like, this idea when when I see guys that like get so beat up about it and they're like, you want a guy that is in the 0.35% and all this shit. I'm like, dude, first of all, who hurt you? It's not yeah. that deep, man. I've been hurt too, but I love I yeah. love women. Like my favorite person in the planet is a woman. It's my mom. Like it's you'll be fine, you know? But that's what that's what the content space is now. Like that that little demo is very popular, but it's also very controversial and controversy sells. I know. And that I actually had a debate in this podcast studio with a host that we talked. It was basically the opposite of me. And it, it's funny because like that audience came for me, like came for me in the comments, like really hard. And it was funny because like I am the farthest thing from a feminist, the farthest thing. I actually think that that's really toxic as well. I stand right in the middle. Like I can see where each each demographic of people is very wounded and everyone is just fighting for like what's right and what should work and what should be. And everyone has their opinions, but like I'm all about healing the collective as a whole. And so people can have better relationships. So I'm not, I'm not the one to debate with because I'm not going to fight you, but I think that that's what they wanted so bad and it didn't, it didn't happen, but it was so hard for me because I sat here articulate, calm, cooperative like I just wanted to have a conversation yeah I had my opinions and I got a little like like loud about it but not interruptive just like a normal not not a like a heated debate and you know people in the comments like you know she's like a used washed up 36 year old that's past her prime and I'm just like oh my god this demographic of people gets so stuck on like the if you're over the age of this and if you haven't had this and you're never going to be able to bond with a man and all this crap. And I'm like, where are these like, why are you so angry? Why are you it's so? It's not that deep, bro. It's not that, it's not that serious. <laughs> like I, it's just, but you know, I think that like high value man, like audience and that like tribe, especially on YouTube that like is crazy with the commenting. 
they're they're so stuck on these statistics and so stuck on like this old school mentality of like if you have over six partners as a female, you're done. If you're over 25, you're past your prime. If you like, you bet you're just might as well buy some cats and get stuck in your apartment and settle. And I'm like, what do you know the percentage of women who are happier, like not married now too? Like I could, I could fight you on this. I'm not going to, but like things are changing. Like yeah, guys aren't the best nowadays. Guys aren't too. the best. And you know, women actually can be without a man and survive not that that's the way we were we were meant to be but we can and that's not to shame anybody but like take a deeper dive to like understanding like if if we can do this on our own is there a reason why because maybe that the container for that safe protective like old school mentality that you're talking about isn't being provided so like i like having those conversations with someone who wants to have a conversation but the aggressive like fresh and fits and all of that shit I can't fuck with. Like I won't even have a conversation with them because or not them, but like anybody that wants to have that because it's so aggressive and it's so demeaning yeah. that I've kind of shut down that like that uh, genre of topics from even, you know, being a part of my podcast because I don't even want to have the conversation. Yeah, it's weird because nowadays you can't even have dialogue. It has to be A or B. Yeah. Like you say, you're in the middle. I'm in the middle with pretty much everything across the mm. board. Um, yeah, I don't think you'll ever meet anyone that the moment politics comes up, their brain shuts off quicker. I'm out. Like out the, the fucking door. Li <laughs> lights are on, but no one is home, right? But you can't even have a discussion anymore. Like people just interrupt. Now it's just like, it's a gotcha moment. Like I feel yeah. like everything is a gotcha. You know, it's like, oh, do you know how many women over 35 are single, right? And if you give me an answer, I'll be like, no, it's actually 12.68. It's like, dude, you're, you're, you're a loser, dude. Like, it's not, it's really not that deep. That content is all cringe to me. I made a mistake one time. I liked the Andrew Tate video because he talked about, like, uh, the difference between motivation and discipline. Well, he's got some great, he's got some great content too. Well, the, the, the one that I liked was he was talking about, because I feel like I've always been very disciplined. That's why I like martial arts and I like jujitsu now. And, and I work out every day. Fun fact, I fucking hate working out. <laughs> I hate it. But I also remember when I got really fat. So I was like, I don't want to look like that again. Right. So he talked about the difference between motivation and discipline. I was like, yo, I fuck with that. That's dope. It's like, yeah, you got to do something every day. Not because you feel awesome because you don't feel awesome. There's times when I go and I record and I don't feel good. When a guest bails on me, it makes me miserable. I hate it. But I still got to go and get shit done. Mm -hmm. big get shit done guy but that's the discipline coming in because yeah. one can't survive without the other right so I, I like that video and then my whole algorithm is like fucking it's fresh and fit it's it's uh, michael sartain and all these numbered guys and they're using these big words i'm like bro i have a high school education you gotta dumb it down for me i don't even know what you're talking about it's out of control but i also like look i know we're be being silly i think everyone just let people do their own thing yeah let people live. Let people live. They're not. If you're not doing any Stop whack analyzing. shit, analyzing. Yeah, man. Like, yo, it's really not that deep. There's so much shit going on in the world, and like, I have my mind on so many different things that I really care about. Like, the last thing I'm gonna do is worry about like what other people should be doing. You have your own preferences. It's totally fine. Yeah. As long as you're not doing anything illegal that could like, hurt someone or people. harming, yo, by all means, whatever you're into, you're into. Yeah, and I mean it is cool because I I love podcast culture. Like I I've learned so much from being just being in this studio and being in in the in the environment and interviewing people. I feel like I've gotten smarter. I've gotten more cultured just having conversations, and I can't wait for the day that I can be interviewing people who I've like even looked up to that I never would think would sit in a chair with me because I I can see that, and that's that's the goal, right? Is just to continue learning more and doing one percent better each day. And I think everyone should be striving for that. Um, I just get caught up in the very gossipy podcast because I don't feel like they do any. They don't. Uh, they don't add anything. They don't add any value to my life. Yeah. Like I, it's the same thing with like trash television. Like yeah, sure, I'll get caught up watching a show that doesn't provide anything but entertainment to me. Sure, that we're, we're human, but at the same time, I have to be very careful. You have to be careful about the content you're consuming. Going back to all of that kind of stuff. So, I'd rather have something I can sit down and share experiences with for other people to understand that maybe they're not alone and we all experience same things. And if you're in a low place, it doesn't have to be there forever. And 
all the highlight reels you see on social media of, be, of someone being successful, you didn't see, like you said, you didn't see us recording in our basements. You didn't see us, you know, not knowing if this was going to be where it was and doing all of the, the fucking stupid little shit to get here. It was just it wasn't all of a sudden one day successful. All of a sudden one day I just didn't show up here. There was stuff behind it. So I like people coming on here to tell those stories so more people can get inspired. That's the kind of content I want to see. So I'm trying to push more of it out there and hopefully that like, you know, that energy just circulates back. So I try not to get too wrapped up in the, you know, fresh and fits. No, for world. sure. And I also, I also feel as if sometimes I'll get, I'll get messages from people and they'll be like, dude, I, I love what you're doing. I want to do that. I'm like, you could. Yeah. I was like, I'm not doing anything like impressive. I just work really hard. I'm very passionate about the things that I, I talk about. Christina, I do like the same five things every day. And that's my entire life, and I wouldn't change it for anything. I create content. Um, I, I work out. I do jujitsu. I play video games. And I, they, that's really it. That's, like, all I do. But I genuinely enjoy it. And I think that's another reason why I'm becoming more successful because, like, the passion seeps through the, the, the microphone. And I just feel when people ask me for advice about, like, content creating, I'm like, number one, just get started. I know it sounds super cliche. Messy you, action. Yeah. You you mentioned something just now about how like you would love to interview someone that you look up to. Like, yo, just ask. Yeah. You'd be surprised if you just ask how easy it could be. And especially when you have something where now it's now it's a little easier for me because like I'm at the win, right? So anytime I ask someone to come on the show, they don't really say no. Have they rescheduled? Yeah. Like shit happens, life happens. I am pretty stubborn though. Like I give you two strikes, not even three. If I ask you to come on the show and like something happens, you got to reschedule because, um, you know, pull the curtain back. I know you said that you had some issues with your dog this morning and like you came in a little bit late. If you were, if you were to come on my show and you're like, hey, I got to reschedule. No problem. Cool. Life happens. Yeah. Don't hate you. If you do it a second time, I'm never asking you to come back. I'm that same way with my clients, even my hair clients. I've fired clients because I just, I just, no, nothing personal. I just, I can't. I hate hate wasting people's time and having my time wasted yeah it's a it's probably the only thing that you'll get a reaction out of me i've been in two situations with the opposite sex in the sense where i told the girl i was like i don't think anything's gonna happen and we didn't hook up we didn't do anything like that we went on a couple dates nothing happened fast forward a couple of years later she was like thank you so much she's like you have no idea how much that meant to me that you didn't just like waste my time and then on the flip side recently i had someone tell me that they're like yo I don't see this going anywhere. She's like, I'm very busy. I don't want you to keep asking. I'm very persistent. That's so much better than yeah. just like dodging things. You know, absolutely. What I mean? I'd rather you be like, yo, I I don't see anything with you. And it happened recently. I'm very persistent. It's a gift and a curse of mine. With my content, with my whole life, I'm very persistent. And then another reason why I've been single all this time is because like I have no issue with sending four or five texts in a row. No problem. <laughs> like I'd rather hear, look, man, I know my flaws, right? I know it's a flaw, but. I'd rather like hear back from you instead of like speculating. And the girl was just like, yo, I think it's just bad timing. I got all these trips planned. I got all these things going on and I don't want to commit to someone. I was like, yo, dope. Don't well, hate you. Thanks don't for dislike. letting me know. Thank you for letting me know. <laughs> Did it suck? Yeah. Do I still like think about it every now and then? Yeah, sure. But like, it's not like, fuck that bitch. Like, it's yeah. not that It doesn't at all. need to be that serious. It doesn't. And it's not that serious. And that's a, that's a thing. Uh, that's what I think is a big problem with a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I also think that comes down to what you were saying is we've gotten really soft as like a as a society and people get their feelings hurt really easily or they avoid confront what they think would be confrontation when in reality it's just upfront honesty. Yeah. And I think that that's really tough for some but that, people. But that's also what you, you said before. It's the upbringing. Like I yeah. have I have friends, like I said, that they're fucking hard on me, but it comes from a place of care. And, and through the years, you'll figure out where. Man, if you're always saying something negative to me, like, all right, now I think you're just being mean. Like, I'm making some notes now. Yeah. yeah. Like, every time you want to critique me, it's always negative, right? Like, yeah. all right, I bet. I'm making note of that, Chris. Gotta now. make a note. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now, fucking, my one friend, Josh, he was the one that was like, yo, bro, you're a good looking kid. You're 25. Why are you 250 pounds? Like, fucking get it together, bro. Just like, holding you you're not 65 where you're like, all right, I've been married, I got kids, like, whatever. I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah, you're pushing yourself closer to the grave really quick. Yeah. You don't need to do that. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yo, bro, get it together, you know? And like, has there been times where he's hit me up and he's like, yo, I didn't like that pod that you did? I'm like, why? And then he gave me legit reasons. Yeah. And again, the self aware thing, like, I'll record something. I'll be like, damn, I didn't sound good there. I didn't like how 
I said like too much. Mm-hmm. I said um too much. I've been doing this for so long. I shouldn't be doing that. And then when my friends would give me that same feedback, I'm like, all right, we're seeing the same things. Yeah, you're like, I'm going to make a note. You're holding me accountable. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's another reason why I don't think I'm soft because I had those people on top of me like my whole life. Even, dude, even to this day, like my dad, when I first moved out here the first time, because you were saying how you had like your mom was very supportive. My mom was supportive and she's still, I mean, now it's easier to have the conversation, but my mom growing up, mom shit, you know, like, yeah, honey, I get you, whatever you believe in. Because you're the best thing ever to your mom, which is great. But I'm also an only child. Oh, even more. Like you are the gold, you are the golden star. All the blame, (laughs) all the glory is what I like to say. But also they, they raised me in the sense where like, yo, we're going to be hard on you. You're not just going to get everything that you wanted. They've told me no thousands of times. I've had to earn everything. Like, I never was really spoiled. It was like, yo, you want this new PlayStation? I bet you need to bring me 90s for a whole semester. You brought me 85. Sorry, dude, you can't have it. Yeah, but see, even that, like, not giving in because it was so close is what builds you. Yeah. And that's what people get now. Like, even, like what you were saying, if somebody who didn't grow up getting that, like, um, that critique from their friends and their family and someone said something mean to them or not, or, like, even a constructive criticism that was a little harsh – they would take that so personal and be like, oh my God, I can't believe they said that to me. Or like, do they really think I'm bad? Or like, why would they say that? Like, no, like just your, your boss or your, your friend or your client or whoever it is gave you some constructive criticism to help you. It's not personal. It's not an attack, but you might take it like that if you didn't grow up. Exactly. With that environment. Exactly. And also you need to iron out those people too. Like I was saying before, if every time I tell Christina how I feel about something, you're always like slandering me. It's like, all right, there got to be something there more. You're not yeah. really looking out for my best interest. But if I come to you with, with a problem or or you give me some feedback, sometimes it's positive, sometimes it's negative. That's how it should be. Yeah, it should never be 100% positive I'm like, Yo, all the time. Again, I don't trust people that agree with me on everything. I was like, you agree with me on everything? Like, that's that's crazy also. Like, yeah. You can't. I can't have those people around me. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing all of that. I feel like those are really awesome notes for people to take. But um, before we wrap this up, is there any advice you'd give to anybody that's like looking to start podcasting or kind of like going after their goals and kind of like maybe in the same footsteps you are? Oof. Um, If you're willing to pursue something, but in the back of your mind have an idea that it might not happen, as long as you're cool with that journey, go for it. Like, it might not happen. I don't know if I'll ever get to a point where, like, I could have my show five days a week and doing all this and making millions of dollars, whatever it might be. I don't know. But my main goal and everything, the thing that, like, drives me, the purpose, is my birthday's in March. Uh, March 11th, 1991. March 11th, 2031, I'll be 40, right? I want to be able to have accomplished so much that I'd be able to retire. That's a good goal. And I just want to call my accountant and be like, hey, man, if I wanted to retire right now, could I? I just, I'm not. I'm not going to retire, but I want him to just say yes. And all that, and that's including taking care of my parents, um, paying for their house, moving them out here, whatever it might be, having my own family, having my own house. I just want to get to that point where, like, the journey of it, I don't know if it's going to happen, which is like the advice that I'm saying. I don't know if that's going to happen, but that's what's driving me to it. It's like yeah. I just want to be like, yo, I could retire right now and be chilling. For sure. I think it's really important to have like big goals that might even seem a little bit too big. Yeah. Because it's something to keep pushing you forward. So I appreciate all of that. And that was a great story time. I learned a lot today and I'm glad to hear that there's other people that kind of like are kind of on that podcast grind too that are just trying to get their message out there, live happily, you know, and, and push some good content and, you know, be in this creation space and encourage others to do the same. So thank you for your time today. My pleasure. And um, we'll leave his information below. Um, again, he's over at Blue Wire. Remind me the... Oh my gosh, it is blank in your podcast. Veterans Minimum. Veterans Minimum. Um, Blue Wire is at the Wynn Hotel here in Las Vegas. And again, we're coming to you from Sticky Paws Studio. So if you guys ever have any questions, feel free to hit any of us up here at Sticky Paws and we'll see you next time. 